podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hiya, it's the Team Talk. I'm Josh Sexton. I'm joined this week by Ben Johnson, by Ian Ryan and by Gareth Roberts. And it's actually perfect time that we've got Ben Johnson in the room because Klopp has just held his pre-Watford press conference. And, and Ben, one of, the, one of the first things he was asked about, interestingly, there's going to be some uh, some kind of footy chat later, but there's a few few mad questions in this press conference that we'll get stuck into those first. And uh, Ben, he gets asked about the coronavirus and I know you in particular are, are worried about it, are looking at potential content ideas around it and things like um, that. Yeah, I'm going to do an EPL show, an hour on it on Monday. Uh, so I won't give all my good stuff away <laughs> I've just listened to the uh, World Health Organisation New York Times podcast on it and basically we're fucked but we just need to worry up and win the league uh, hopefully within the next five weeks get to go on the ale for a week and then we'll have to stay in the house till fucking next year <laughs> <laughs> so if everyone could just crack on with that and just Proud. fucking just keep it at bay for a month let us win the league for fuck's sake. I mean, it's in Toxteth and it's in Eighton. I believe so, yeah. So, you know, it's getting closer, isn't it? It's not just good. keep it away from West Derby and Anfield and oh, for the best. Yeah, it? I mean, but just the, the, like, Serie A start calling games off and that and then there's games behind closed doors and you're just, you're just looking at the league and you're thinking the one year where we're absolutely perfect and 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 this is like, what what's, this is just ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know. And that's Newcastle right. have stopped shaking hands. Well, that's mad, you know, that's mad. <laughs> Just wash your hands. <laughs> and then shake away. Get some hand gel, boys. Um, it's freely available. Ian, how worried are you about the coronavirus? It's not like? available, is I know, yeah, it's well, fucking sold out everywhere. I got some the other day and, and yeah, I haven't been able to get any more. And I'm nearly out of it. I'm starting to get worried. I'm worried, like, a little bit now. I'm starting to get worried. I wasn't worried. You're pretty close to that mic, I aren't know, you? Yeah, we, were about, <laughs> we were talking about the mics in the office. There's loads of, like... It's like a, what is it, like a spit guard, is it? Is that what it's called? It's a, yeah, a pop, pop, pop thing, isn't it? Pop yeah. thing, basically it's, it's to stop you doing that. Pop and music. also to stop you spitting all over everyone, but it's got everyone spit on. <laughs> so <laughs> Ian's <laughs> like right up close to it. He's it's fucking far from my ideal. We were just like, saying, he's not moved the muscle, man. The protective suit was a bit overboard, wasn't it? Doing these pods with face yeah. Well, no, I mean, we we said before, John, I touched on it, the, the Serie A thing. I mean, honestly, if it gets to the point where Liverpool are about to lift the trophy of Villa and someone says we're playing it behind closed doors, I'll fucking lose my shit, honestly. <laughs> I mean, we've waited 30 years for this, so, yeah, it's a bit of a worry. I mean, now that it's coming up in press conferences, and obviously, you know, Robbo's mentioned that the Steve Bruce Newcastle thing as well, I mean, it is starting to get to the point now where you're thinking... If they're cancelling games in Italy, it's not that far away from happening elsewhere as well. It'd be one hell of a blow, like, considering we've played. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> of all the things you think it could stop us this year, you're thinking of City and the money, you know, injuries could be... You're not thinking coronavirus, but that's where we are now. So. I reckon we'll be sad. I mean, remember when we were nearly near it once once before and there was, like, an asteroid heading for Earth or something, wasn't there? And, and <laughs> I thought we were all right. <laughs> There was there was loads at the start of the new year, wasn't there? There was like there was the rumblings of this start, and there was a world war starting and things like yeah, that. So that was, there was, it, yeah. there was all sorts, all sorts of tried to throw in the red way, stopping them winning the league. Why we win the league? <laughs> <laughs> Um, in other news, that the, some of the players have been acting and uh, and Klopp's been talking about it. And Ben, I know you were buzzing off off Joel Matip in, in particular on Twitter yesterday. And, and, and Klopp's quote around it's quite funny. He, he basically gets asked if there's a career in acting for a few of them, and he says, "Yeah, not for all of them." And then he talks about people hearing Joel to speak, uh, hearing Joel speak for the first time, and he says, "You have to put a ball on the ground to hear that." But he, it was <laughs> the whole thing was funny. But Joel was mad, wasn't he? Joel's voice is 
one of the best things I've ever heard. It's like an, I'd like I'd listen to that on an album. Do you know what I mean? Like an instrument. I've never heard that the first time you heard it. I've never heard. I've never heard. It was like wow. I didn't think I that was going to happen. I've had to ask Conflict where he spoke. He didn't speak much. Like it's mad the way is the actual sounds of his voice makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't look like it suits him, does it? He's this big imposing centre half, meant to be hard. Well, probably is hard to be honest. Uh, but then his voice is wild. His voice is berserk. But it, but it, but like the, the the video is good though, isn't it? Because he's clearly he knows himself, and you know what I mean. He's, he's happy to sort of take the piss out of himself, which is which is good. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you can do that, it's sound. But yeah, it is mad. The, on the outtakes, he reads that bit out. Does, and he there's there's a there's a shot where like he's in the background, so I read it. You can just see Curtis Jones in the foreground just shaking. You can see Lovren laughing, and looking at. I think it's Robertson starts first, and then they all just go. Yeah. I think that's the best thing, like all round about though, Ian, isn't it? What what Robbo touched on there is that like they're all it's all like parodies of themselves. So it's Henderson being a bit strict, it's Bobby being disengaged, it's Robbo being the teacher's pet and stuff like that. And I think that's that's it's sort of a microcosm. Of this team for me in, in, in a sort of strange way is that they're all able to have a laugh at themselves they're all just down to earth lads really by the looks of it Bobby was phenomenal wasn't he yeah. <laughs> absolutely phenomenal honestly I he, think he would be in a gangster film honestly or he was brilliant I reckon he used the word top all the time you know because he, he's, he's put it on videos and stuff before hasn't he just him saying top any, any charges there knowledge just fucking got me like <laughs> <laughs> if we don't do it, someone will. Uh, I think, like, I mean, when they've looked at who's going to be in that video, we were saying off air, weren't we, before, like, they've, they've obviously thought about it a lot and got, like, certain characters involved because they knew it would go down well. I thought it was brilliant. And I think it's another example of where the clubs get a lot right off the pitch. You may say, well, it's a small thing, but I think it does help people relate to these footballers because you suddenly just see them in a different light. You see them as, they're just normal fellas having a laugh, do you know what I mean? And I think in years gone by, you've looked at footballers and you've thought, well, you get behind them because they wear a red shirt, but you don't particularly like them. You don't like, you know, there's, there's been loads of times where I've looked at players who've played for this club and you've thought, well... Jermaine Banner. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to go for a pint with them, would you? But but these boys, they, it, it is different. And maybe it's a little bit cliche and a bit romantic, but it does feel like they are a different set of lads. They've got, I don't know, different morals about them. They think about things differently. And I think it's brought the club and the fans closer. And I think yesterday, when that got released, that was another example. Yeah, absolutely. We will get into some serious footy chat because Klopp, Klopp does get asked about it. So, so, so um, Ben, sort of looking back on this week, it was it was interesting hearing Jurgen break down a few of the things that have, have maybe gone wrong for Liverpool this week in terms of the way other teams have played against us. And and you know, it's it's been a week in a week or so in which we have played a few of the, a few of the bottom sides as well. And the way they've played against us has been probably surprising to most of us. I think we probably looked at this run of fiction and thought we'll, we'll twat a few of these, but there've been teams who, who've played really well against us. And he he sort of compares it to when Liverpool played against teams. They were worse than in the past, and you always sort of have to give yourself a chance. And it feels like we are we are the big scalp for these teams now, aren't we? Yeah, of course we are. We're unbeaten, and you know we're unbeaten all year. Um, and teams are going to have a goal. Saturday will be difficult. So what? What for? Have a goal, um, and they, they caused us problems in the last game. And I think he's, you know, we, he's talking about it in the press conference. We probably all also, you know, not that he needs to, but just reminds and players, look, you need to carry on. You need to battle. You need every game's a battle. And reminds, and I think one of the things. That's what my in the other day is I thought first half the atmosphere was was really like lacking in any agency. And you get that now and again in games. Um but it's almost it was a little bit complacent. Um there was tickets knocking about and it's I mean it's it's part and parcel of human nature, you know, you're so far ahead 
you do you know it's weird it's like that year when we, when we used to win the league and we won the I think we won the double one year and the year after we didn't sell out and that like the attendance just went down we won the league like three or four years on a spin that's just human nature but it, I think it's almost just a little bit you know let's let's just make you know we, we are going to need some help we are going to need to battle and we are you know it is hard and we are doing unbelievably and we just need to sort of recognise that a little bit more <clears> I think Um it's just a weird. It's a, I don't know. I just think the whole thing's really weird in that you're just sort of waiting for this thing we've been waiting all our lives for, and it's it's not like an anti climax, but it's just it, it because it's so obviously going to happen. You know the corona side or whatever, and even that like the, the possibility of games getting called off, it getting elongated, and it's you're in this mad weird. Like I don't know what it is. It's like this like sort of weird survival at the moment where I'm I'm going week to week saying well when are we going to win it and like I've been well it might be Bournemouth right okay well I'll, I'll work around Bournemouth and then if it's not it's probably going to be them but it mightn't be them if City get beat and it's like it's knackering yeah. it's stressful no no when you like I've, I'm on the book stuff in for work and I'm like well I can't go I might, well I can't go then well I might not be I don't know I might have to, I'll go but I'm, if I, Liverpool in the league I won't be coming it's just like is this going out to other people? Mike Boss going to hear this? Do you know so fired? <laughs> Tremendous stuff. I don't know. It's just it's just a weird existence, and I think he's just he's almost just trying to say, look, it's hard. It's hard what we're doing. These teams are grafting for their lives, and they're going to cause us problems. And we need to just be on our on our best. You know, we have our, on our on the front foot and aim to win every game. Um, that's what we've done the other day. We just need to carry on doing it. Gareth, it's interesting for me that, that Ben mentions the atmosphere there because I, I sort of think of it in a, in a collective sense of if you look back at losing to Atletico and, and the way we played for, for quite long spells, to be honest, in, in the West Ham game and the way that fans reacted to that accordingly, it would I'd almost argue this is probably the perfect, Klopp's probably had the perfect week there in terms of, I, know in, I don't know if it was in his pre-West Ham press comments he talked about you know what it's like, remembering what it's like to lose and I think sometimes you just need that rocket up your arse of it to, you know, to, to lose, to be, you know, just sort of creep past the West Ham side who, who you should be Conceded wiping the floor with well. yeah conceding two goals yeah. it's, it's a bit of a reminder I think to everybody yeah it's a little kick up the arse isn't it and, and maybe you know that's no bad thing as you say um, I mean as Ben says it's dead hard I think in, in that you know they'll be like us in that deep down they might not want to say it and we've seen all the stuff about Bannon talk of, of it being won and stuff like that but you know they're all humans and, and psychologically they, they must know deep down it is done but 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 equally they've got to get it done and they and they've got to get these wins and and there's records on the line and there's the the FA Cup there and there's the Champions League and all the rest of it so if they do knock off or it it does slip sometimes then it, it might not even be a conscious thing you know what I mean it's not it's not like the going out going bosses are me do you know what I mean it's it's more just like you know you just might take your eye off the ball a little bit and and you've got to you've got to find that again um, I, I think Watford will will definitely keep them honest obviously and. You know, look, they he's done well under Pearson initially, and I think it was they got fourteen points from the first seven when he took over. But then it's gone a little bit off the rails, and you know they haven't won any of the last five. And I watched his I watched his interview that he did after Man United, and I thought he was quite good. Um, I, I kind of like him in a, in a mad way. I don't know why I do because like he, he's been an absolute knob in the past, hasn't he? In press conferences, thing like that. But I don't know. I kind of like him, and he was saying. Like the, the reporter was saying, you know, you got Liverpool next, you change anything for that. And he was like, not a lot, to be honest. He was like, you know, the, the players have just got to remember themselves that they're decent. And he's like, and I, he said, a lot of what's happening, I think, is 
his anxiety around the situation. And I thought that was interesting because you can see that, I think. I think, you know, when he first come in, they got that bounce, he got them playing, they caused those problems around field, as Ben said, and, you know, two of the worst misses you'll ever see. Um, you know, that, that should have been goals, really. So maybe Liverpool got away with one a little bit there. And Klopp talked there, didn't he, about, you know, balls going straight from Foster to Deeney and <coughs> us having to be switched on over second balls because maybe we weren't enough against West Ham. So, yeah, it will be a tough game and, and you can't just look at, even though we have, we have been all week, but you can't just look at the stats and say, Liverpool are fucking brilliant, they're fucking shit and it'll just happen. You know, you've still got to graft and work and, and make sure it does happen and I think it will, like. But, um, you know, as you said there, conceding a the couple and in the manner that they were conceded and Atletico as well being a bit of a wake-up. I think you know they'll all be on it. They will have had they will have had a real team meeting this week where maybe a few heads got cracked and a few home shoots were put out there. They won't be happy that they conceded those goals. And the on the subject of stats, the one I've been talking about over and over, which is boss by the way, is that um, once we've conceded once we've conceded a couple of goals like that, we don't do it again. Basically, and the only time when we conceded more than once consecutively. Is December? You're going back to December 2016. So it seems like when anything goes wrong, do fix it? Do you know how to fix it? And one thing out of that advert as well that wasn't mentioned was Klopp just saying like they were all buzzing off it basically in their own WhatsApp groups and stuff like that. And I like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I like the idea that they're not all just turning up, doing a job, and going away again. And I feel like it has been like that at Liverpool in the past. <coughs> They do genuinely get on. They do genuinely like each other. There is a bond between them, and I think that's what's taken us to where we're where we're inevitably and, going. And also that they're not doing their own heads in about the sort of performance they've had as well. Because I think what this one of the things that's sort of interesting Ian, over the course of this season is that Liverpool have been good at you know recognizing when they've maybe not performed perform well in the game, but but they're also they're good at fixing it. Like Gareth says, it's not like they go away and beat themselves up and go, oh that was a bit shit, wasn't it? And then go into the next game with the wrong attitude. They're they're, they're very good at bouncing back, and I think it's interesting across. The this sort of period of fixtures because I think one of the characteristics of Liverpool side this season has been that they've they've sort of done just an, enough in games almost they've, n- they've not really wiped the floor with many people they've not had to sort of get into top gear with many teams and I, and I just wonder whether you know this this period of fixtures they're almost just letting the other team feel their way into the game a bit so then they see what they need to do to actually go and get the win eventually Yeah I think so and I think yeah I think everyone's right to reference the, the fact that they do correct mistakes so a lot got made, maybe a little bit of the, the set-piece thing, but I, I just put it down to a bit of a coincidence, to be honest, uh, coupled with the fact that there was good delivery um, from West Ham. We did the review show with uh, Kopi and Dan Morgan this week, and it wasn't something that's going to suddenly worry me, even though maybe Watford have got an aerial threat, for instance. One thing that struck me, I think you know a lot of uh, attention's been given to, to the advert, and rightly so, but Trent and Robbo did an interview with Sky as well, um, and it was based around, you know, are they changing the game as, as fullbacks and stuff? And, you know, are people looking to, to kind of be them, you know, coming through and stuff? And obviously the whole thing was obviously made in the past about no one wants to be a right back and all that. But what strikes you when you, you listen to any of these fellas, but in particular when it was it was Robbo and Trent giving this interview, it's just how humble they are. And I think a lot of that's just, it's, it's just comes from the manager. Uh, and they, they refer to the manager quite a lot in the interview and they, they say, you know, just how, how honest and how humble he keeps them and how hungry they are. And there's not a there's not a thought, I don't think that goes through any of the players' heads that it's done. I think they're just an incredibly ambitious group. And you see it a little bit when Trent gives the interview after Monday Night Football as well. And he's just talking about wanting to, to be the best 
possible version of himself. He wants the, the team to go on and win multiple trophies. Because I think you've seen it with other teams in the past. It's very easy to win something and just rest on your laurels and think, we've, we've done something there. And, you know, you win the European Cup, you'll go down as legends regardless of what you do after that. But you don't get the impression that's that's part of the makeup of this team. It's about, well, what else can we do? What else can we win? Well, we've won one. Let's go and win another. Let's go and win another. And let's stamp our mark in history in this football club. And that's what they're about. And that's what all of them are about. And I think that's where you've got to... You've got to pay a lot of credit to the manager because he's he's managed to to pull a group of players together that is just a phenomenal set of lads, both on the pitch and off the pitch. But if you look at it on the pitch, they look like they could go on and achieve something incredible this year. You think about you know the FA Cups on the horizon. I I want us to pay that, um, no the, the kind of the importance that it deserves now in the grand scheme of things. There's an opportunity to, if you get past Atletico Madrid, that Champions League things opens opens up again. I think you've you've seen enough from the teams involved in that not to be scared of anyone else. But I think the FA Cup is something where, you know, if you go and win a double, that, that's, a, that's a big thing, winning a double. It was a, growing up, it was a huge thing, by the way. Winning a double was, was, a, was a huge thing. Boss, but it was just, a lot of teams didn't do it. And I know United went on to, to do it a few times and Arsenal have done it and stuff since... Um, since we did it in 86 but I just think this is an incredible opportunity for these players and it gives me confidence when you hear them speak that they understand how big an opportunity is as well so yeah I look forward to the game on, on Saturday and I think whilst Watford will probably present a, a different challenge given how they play you know, I've, I've seen nothing to suggest that Liverpool wouldn't overcome it yeah, loads of opportunities on the horizon, but as Ian says there, first it's Watford this Saturday. Uh, we'll hand you over now to Bradley Hayden to give us the opposition view. I'm now joined on the phone by Bradley Hayden, who for a long time has been our man in Watford, who's been telling us about what's going on there and the highs and lows and roller coasters of, it, of being a Watford fan. And Bradley, it's it's still there to be to be fought forward, isn't it? You know, there's been obviously the the upturn in form under Nigel Pearson. There's been better individual performances and team performances, but you are still 19th and you are still in a battle. And you know, there's there's 11 games left, which is a reasonable amount, but it, it does become a point where every game matters. And and this one's a tough one against Liverpool. Definitely, to say it's a tough one is a is a bit of an understatement. <laughs> what you said there about uh, about it being a roller coaster following Watford, they're, they're really putting me through the mill this season. We started off really started off terribly. We gave ourselves a bit of hope, and you think here we go around Christmas time. Yet Nigel's going to lead us to a to a solid solid decent finish, and then. Recently, we're back in it, and I'm, I'm praying for all the other teams to, lo- to lose around us, which they are, and we can't take advantage of it. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one for us this weekend. Um, I think where, where we are at the minute, I don't think anyone expects us to get a result this weekend, but it's all about the performance. If we can put in a good performance, um, then we, we, give, we give ourselves some hope. And I think coming up uh, next month in, in March, is, I think will be a crucial month for us. We've got after, after this weekend, we've got Palace away, who are sort of threatening to be dragged into it at the moment we've got Leicester at home and we've got Burnley away I think we really need to be getting at least two wins or or around that sort of uh, ballpark to to really give ourselves some hope going into the last couple of months of the season and I know in April we have got some promising fixtures with the likes of Southampton, Newcastle, Norwich all to come at home. We've also got some fairly difficult ones as well with um, City and Arsenal our last two games of the season. Right. So ideally we need to be safe by the by the, uh, by the the final two games. So it's going to be tricky. Um, hopefully we can turn it around. But in the past couple of weeks, some of the old problems have started to creep back in again. So what are those old problems then? Defensively. 
um, defensive problems um, all over the place again against Everton. Um, you know, throwing away a, a, a two-goal lead, defending set pieces was was really poor to, to let them back into the game there. Um, lapses of concentration um, and not really using the ball to the best of our ability, really. Even, if, for example, against Everton um, in the past last half an hour, really, when, when Everton had, had a man sent off in Tabian Delft, didn't really look like getting back into the game, just sort of passed it around without really doing anything purposeful with it. Did the save against Brighton as well, when it became too defensive, and in the end, our, our defence, you know, put one in, in the back of the net—a mistake from Adrian Barriapa—and then once again against uh, United at the weekend, a couple of poor defensive errors for for a couple of the goals there, um, and I'm not doing enough in, in the in the, um, in the in the right end of the pitch. Troy had a Troy had a couple of decent chances against. United, one ruled out through VAR. There was a really good chance in the first couple of minutes where the ball comes to him. He's got acres of space in the Man United penalty area but takes far too long to, to get a shot away. He doesn't even get a shot away before Luke Shaw manages to go in and block. And those are the moments against the big teams that he really has to take. And um, I think Watford have been punished for uh, lapses of concentration, not really doing the right things um, and, and being poor defensively. But... The big thing for us now is that we've got Ismail Assar back, who was becoming, who was really, really important for us when Nigel Pearson first took over. I mean, apart from the opening of the first game against Liverpool when he skied a couple of really promising chances, after that he went on a really good run and he got taken, he was taken off against Spurs for an injury, and we've really missed his pace out wide. Pereira and Pusetto don't really have that so far. So um, having him back is going to be really, really important. And having a recognised right back coming, potentially coming back as well, with Kiko Feminier and Daryl Yamak coming back as well, that's going to be important for us as well because we've not had a recognised right back for, for the last two months. Right. We've, we've had Mariapa and, and Dawson playing there. So they're going to be important. So fingers crossed we can we can get back to where we were under the first couple of games under Pearson where we were really solid at the back and then playing really purposefully going forward as well. I was just sort of having a look at the at the numbers of a few of your players, you know, this season and, and, and especially from the attacking ones and it seems like you know, from from January on, a few of those attacking players have been unleashed, unleashed a little bit more, and and mm. and you've seen the benefits of that. No more so than Decore, who I think had got one goal up until New, New Year's Day last year, and mm. uh, and and has been sort of you know flying since. And have you is that surprised you? And how exactly has it has he sort of been, been unleashed and and been able to become almost this almost this Yaya Torre figure for you? Yeah. Yeah, we, we've always known he's had that in his locker. And last season, he was played a little bit more further forward than Capu and given more of a license to roam than Capu. Um, because his best position is a box-to-box midfielder. He's great at getting the ball, running with the ball and, and getting forward. Because he, he can really he can breeze past players with, with ease when he, when he wants to. Um, and he's also capable of tracking back and, and getting involved as well. But I think what, what Pierce has done has been quite clever. He, he's moved the core further forward and he's either played uh, Will Hughes or Nathaniel Chalabar in a more defensive position alongside Etienne Capu, which has really unleashed the core and given him more um, license to roam and, and really let him focus more on the attacking side of the game rather than having to, to come back and defend a lot of the time. So he's been given more, more license to roam and get forward as well. You saw his goal against Brighton as well, which is which is exactly what he's all about when he when he's in his prime, he's, he's capable of picking up the ball in space, you know, uh, 
breezing past people with ease and the way he unleashed that shot and put it into the top corner. That, that's typical to Corey, what, he, what he's capable of doing. He's, been, he's really improved under under Pearson. Pearson's obviously instilled in giving him a lot, but giving him a bit of a confidence boost and giving him a bit of a wake up call as well because he was he was struggling the past couple of, the first couple of the first few months of the season, not not necessarily being played correctly and, and struggling in more of a defensive position. But his best position is a box to box midfielder. He's capable of running in between both boxes, breaking up play and using the ball a lot more. And he's certainly a threat when, when he's, in, he's in the right frame of mind. And we've seen that more recently. The, the goal against Brighton was fantastic. And he's, he's, he was really integral over the Christmas period as well and getting getting good before, uh, get good results against Bournemouth. He was fantastic that game. Um, and against the likes of Wolves and, and Villa as well. So to have him back on form is, is a massive, massive positive. We just need a few more of those in, in the attacking Aries, you know, the likes of Delefeu and um, Dini and uh, Saar and Torreira uh, to come in and contribute a little bit more in the coming weeks and, and, and for their decision-making to be right because that's, that's something that we've struggled with uh, previously as well. So to have Decore back and getting back towards somewhere near his best is only going to help us and hopefully we, he can continue that and bring, bring the best out of others around him in a couple of weeks because it's a, it's a big, big few weeks for Watford. I think if we don't start picking up wins soon, if we, if we get to this time next month where we've not picked up a couple of wins, then fortunately I think, it's, um, I think a lot of people in Watford will be resigned to the, the fact that we'll possibly play in Championship football next season. Okay, so if, if Watford are to win this game on Saturday, what do you think it looks like? I won't ask you for a prediction, but I'll, I'll just say if Watford are to, so to get something out of the game, either a good draw or a win, what do you think Watford need to, need to do and get right? Well, we need to firstly uh, keep, keep, uh, keep a track of your front three. I think we all, we all know that Liverpool's front three is the best in the Premier League and up there with the best in world football at the moment. So we need to keep them quiet and obviously need the likes of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robertson, we know what they're capable of out wide, so we can't give them, give them a lot of time and space. What we need to do is obviously need to, I expect Watford to, to soak up pressure and then look to try and hit them on the counter-attack. So when we, we, when we do have the, the rare occasions where we do have time to, to, to try and build a, a counter-attack or the possibility to counter, we need to be decisive, we need to be uh, clinical, um, and we we need to have the right decisions because there's been a lot of times in the past couple of weeks where we've got into good positions and but not really made the right decisions. So um, we need to firstly we need to, to to keep to soak up pressure. We need to not give you acres of space to, to pass them all around. And then when we do have uh, the possibility to break and, and build an attack, we need to make the, the best of the ball. And if we do get a chance coming our way, then we need to either be sticking it in the back of the net or, most importantly, giving, giving Alisson a save or two to make. So it's going to be tough, but if we can if we can do anything, anything like what we did against uh, you in December, but maybe be a little bit more clinical, then hopefully we might have a chance of getting a result. We shall see. Who thanks so badly for joining us on the phone as ever. Do check out the stuff he's doing at the moment uh, with Talk Sports and others as well. So huge thanks to Bradley for joining us. And yeah, now back to the studio. Yeah, nice one to Bradley there. Gareth, we were just sort of having a, having a bit of a chat about this in, in the break there. And it's interesting because I think around these two players in particular, for whatever reason on social media, there seems to be a lot of confirmation bias. And, it's, and it comes back to something me and you have talked about so much on the show about, you know, everything not being black and white. And I, and I think this, to be honest, this week and this topic around Oxley chamberlain 
and Nabi Keita has been a, been a bit of a grey area because uh, Keita gets hooked and, and Klopp sort of admits today that yeah, he didn't play particularly well. Ox comes on and, and changes the game. But I sort of look at the point at which Oxley chamberlain comes on in the game and Liverpool 2-1 down at that point, aren't they? So he's, he's got a completely different job to what Nabi Keita does anyway. I think they're different players as well. So I don't think it's as simple as saying, oh, one's better than the other or one should play. Ox should have started the game and, and Keita should be the one, you know, potentially coming off the bench. I think they're two different players with, with, with basically different jobs. Yeah, and Klopp, I think Klopp says in the press conference he, he didn't want it to be him They're not him competing and, with each other, and yeah. them sort of seeing it that way. Yes, there's an opportunity there because of injuries in midfield, but it's not one person versus another. And yeah, social media is just weird, isn't it? Let's be honest. And like you know, we we've spent you know we've spent plenty of time talking about it in the past. But the idea that you know you've got to take some camp, you know, one way or another, like shite, good, no in between, and it's like you know I, I'm bored of it. Like I, I don't even bother posting as much as I used to now because. I just can't be asked. I haven't got the I haven't got the time in life for it. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, it, it's really black and white. Nabby didn't play that well the other night. Uh, that's why he's hooked. Uh, Oxley Chamberlain comes on, does play well, and you know really gives Liverpool a boost as a shot within seconds of being on. You know, taking carrying the ball forward as soon as he comes on, and just you know obviously providing something different. And equally, look at Nabby Keita's body language when he's hooked, he doesn't look happy about it, he shouldn't look happy about it, you know, he has, he's come to Liverpool for an awful lot of money and basically hasn't delivered enough really to to justify that price tag right now, he's been unlucky, uh, he's had injuries, he's shown flashes of what he's capable of and he's clearly <coughs> capable of stuff, you know, he's done some amazing stuff on the ball, he's got great skill, he can score goals, he can set players up, he links well with Mo when he's at his best and things like that. And we all, look, I want him to succeed. Like what what we've seen at Leipzig and what we've seen in flashes, it'd be fantastic if he's producing that week in, week out. So far, that's not really been the case. Oxley Chamberlain really looks like he's got the bit between his teeth, you know, desperate to be part of it, probably spurred on by the fact that he misses out, you know, because of his of his injury at a really bad time. So he you know, he wants to be there this time when medals are given out and things like that. And yeah, it's really weird, the camps thing and the stats thing and, oh, look, this proves X and Y. Like, fuck it off. We all just support Liverpool, like as far as I'm concerned. We all support Liverpool. We all want players who play for Liverpool to do well. And if one's playing better than the other and he gets hooked and the other fella comes on and scores the winner, sound. You know, ultimately, if it results in Liverpool winning and Liverpool winning the league, Happy fucking days. What are you all having a go at each other for, you weirdos? Ian, that's interesting that he mentions the thing about getting hooked and, and about, about Naby maybe not <laughs> responding to that well because I sort of think back to a few weeks ago, I'm pretty sure it started against Manchester United, but there was a little run of games where Chamberlain was the, was the one getting hooked and he was the one looking a bit fuming about coming off and probably fuming with himself that, that he didn't get to show his best. So it, it just sort of shows how, how football goes at times and, and Naby before his injury was playing well. So this this is why it's a grey area. It's not it's not sort of that Naby's shit and Oxide Chamberlain's good because before Oxley Chamberlain wasn't playing well and, and Naby was, so it's, it, it's that's just how it works, really. They're both two very good footballers, they're not the best. They're both, you know, they're both pushing for a starting place in this Liverpool team at the very best. But I I kind of agree with most of what Robbo said there, to be honest. It was it's quite strange when you when you kind of went onto social media after the game, there was a lot of people looking to to kind of make out that Naby had, had an unbelievable football match. He'd been absolutely brilliant. The manager comes out today and says he didn't play that well. He can play a lot better. He did all right, but you know we would expect a little bit more from him. And I think with Naby, you know, this is a player who's not been able to put a, a run of games together, and you've got to say that. And I think that has an impact on him as well. You know, if he was suddenly able to put eight, ten games in a row, 
if his body wasn't letting him down, you probably do see a different footballer than, than the one you saw the other night. At times, I felt incredibly sorry for him because I think he's someone who, who's got a lot of the tools. Um, and in terms of the other night as well, I think Rob Gutman made a good point the other day when he said, well, you know, Chamberlain comes on a different phase of the game and players are starting to tire on the opposition. So you know, that, that kind of plays into it as well. I think Naby will be a valuable member for this team if he can, if he can sort that fitness thing out. That, that's the big thing. It's what's holding them back. Um, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of ability going both ways. You know, he can win the ball back for you, but actually he can be a threat when he's at his very best. I think the other night you saw a, a player who maybe give the ball away a little bit and then lost a little bit of confidence and then started playing playing safe and maybe went into his shell a little bit. Um and the manager takes him off and he's entitled to do that. Chamberlain comes on, takes his chance. Listen, at the weekend it could be a different scenario and Chamberlain could have a game where We've seen him out before where he struggles a little bit and then Naby comes on and changes the game. So it's a squad it's a squad game at the end of the day and this will happen. You know, sometimes players will be in form and sometimes they'll be out of form. But I honestly think with, with Kite, if you can just get himself fit and be available for a large chunk, then you do get to see a different player. And I touched on what I showed you today. You know, this is a guy who Klopp trusted at the new camp away. He played him in that match. And that, that's, a, that's a big game. A lot of responsibility on you going both ways. But Klopp thought he was he was an important part of the, the team or he, or he could be that night. So there's no doubt there's I think there's a there's a big plan for Kaita, but if if he can't stay fit, then maybe the manager's got to reassess it over the next kind of six months, twelve months. But we're not at that stage yet. Ben, it's, it's interesting. Ian mentions that the sort of fitness issues because both players have had, have had fitness issues, injury issues, and we both feel we feel like with both them we've we've not seen the best of them. And I wonder how much of that sort of is drawn into the coverage because it becomes speculation then about who is better because you haven't seen the best of either. I feel like this doesn't happen with our other midfield players like Fabinho, like Henderson, like Wijnaldum because we feel like we've 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 seen the best of them now. So there's not as much of oh this player should be in, this player shouldn't. Yeah, I think I think there's something in that. I think there's also something in why they're reacting the way they are when they're not playing so well or you know they're a bit disappointed in themselves because it is an opportunity you know you can't get away from the fact that both of them players at the present moment have got an opportunity to press a claim to play to start uh, Anderson's out for a couple of weeks Milner's coming back to fitness um, I don't think either of them have done enough uh, to be honest I don't. I think if everyone's fit neither of them start um, because I don't think they've done enough I think I think Kite has had hard lines the other night actually I think he, he didn't play particularly well but the tempo of the game was flat and I think I think West Ham almost surprised us a little bit in that I thought they I think we thought they'd do what they did against City and just sit there and actually decide to get out a little bit more than we probably thought they would. And I think the problem that Klopp had with Kaita was he just wasn't really doing much going the other way. He was winning the ball back now and again, but it, but there was just big holes in the midfield. I don't think I don't think that the lack of Henderson helped anyone. I thought Fabinho played really poorly, um, and I just thought there was fucking holes in midfield everywhere that they exploited. So you can understand the manager changing it, and the, the context for you know this now. Well, it's Naby or Ox Oxley Chamberlain to start, you know, and it, it's probably going to be Oxley Chamberlain who's going to start on Saturday because he's done all right in the last half an hour the other day. I don't necessarily agree. I think they'll look at it and set it up and say, "What's the tactical plan? Kite is better doing this thing." Oxley team was better doing this. What are we? Who are we up against? Um, like they're not the same type of players. Yep. They're not the same out of the same moulds, and you're going to get different things out of both players. And uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not Chamberlain's biggest fan. I don't I don't uh, you know I think he's good, but I'm not his biggest fan. I think I think he's a good player, and but I think he's been hit and miss this season. I think he's been hot and cold, and when he's hot, he's doing really well. But he's been shite as well. 
Um, at times, and even the other night, I, th- I thought he'd done really well when he come on. He, he injected some tempo that was much needed, but he gave the ball away loads when he come on, I thought. Uh, but then I had a cob on when I was watching it, so, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That filters into your mindset and how you're judging players. And I think it's reasonable to be able to watch a game and think, oh, he was shiting. So-. And then, you, you you know, your mate says, what are you talking about? You're a gobshite. And you go, oh, am I? And, he, and like, people... <laughs> you know, but that's the way footy is. No, you remember, you, I remember going to a match before left, social media. I remember going to match, walking into a boozer, getting with all the lads and going, oh, I thought he was crap. And everyone would go, wah, fuck off, you dear. And you, you find out you just had a problem. I had a problem with Danny Murphy all the while. I just did. He was crap. Everyone loved him. I thought he was fucking shite. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. But every week I go on the ground and say, "Oh man, he was fucking crap again." Everyone going, "Lads, he was boss." I'm going, "Fuck off!" But that's just my prejudices. But this whole thing of like, well, Kaita was really good because his expected ball retention was all this stuff. I understand the need for stats, and I think, and I and I agree that dead useful and the dead interesting. And in most cases, you can sort of get from the stats what your eyes are telling you. Kite is like a mad player because you can watch him and you can think, he's been absolutely fucking garbage today and has been for the last few weeks. And then someone can send you all the stuff and it's like, well, he's won the most, he's won all the, you know, he's won the ball back more than anyone else in midfield. He's played the ball into dangerous areas more than anyone else. He's got a higher pass completion rate than anyone else. And you're thinking, are you fucking kidding me? Am I watching the same player? Because I watched them and thought, he'd give it away all the while. He didn't track his man. He didn't really do anything with the ball. He, he took too long on it when he should have played it quickly. He played it quickly when he took, and he, he should have took more time on it. You know, he's a real, I think he's just a mad player to try and judge as to whether he's actually any good or not. And I, and I think he's got the potential to be absolutely brilliant. And I also think he's got the potential to never quite fulfil it, what, what we all thought he was going to be and he'd probably be somewhere in the middle he'd be alright and he'll win the league with Liverpool he won the Champions League last year he's not half bad is he you know if he's doing that you know what I mean it's just a funny thing I don't know what am I talking about <laughs> <laughs> we got we got a big I was, I was really enjoying I know trying to finish that there's, there's, a, there's a big there's a big week for you coming up here because you get sacked from your job as manager listens you're getting a Twitter view with Danny Murphy if he listens and you're pissed off all the stats people with expected ball retention that, that's like when you're running down hill and your legs going faster than your fucking body you start doing a mad thing at the end honestly. Honestly. I liked it because at the end you were looking at all three of us going what I'm doing really enjoying this <laughs> right fucking hell we'll, we'll, bring, we'll bring this to a close uh, with some predictions <laughs> we'll go to Ben last because he might talk for half an hour so Gareth your prediction for the game um, I, I mean look we've beat Watford like comfortably haven't we uh, a few times over the years I think there's still like a residual thing where people think back to way back when now five years ago or whatever when we went there and was shit and we had bogged down in goal and we just got bullied uh, I can't see that happening now I think there's too many you know, too many fellas who are fucking brilliant in the Liverpool side, basically. Um, but equally, I don't see us absolutely tonking them. I think we've all said that we can see it being difficult. So, Liverpool win, um, but I'm going to say it'll be 2 0. 2 0, Ian? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with a lot of that. I think it could be a, it could be a tough opening 60 minutes or so, you know, R5 as well. I think, you no, know, they're in a, they're in a load of trouble now. Robbo mentioned it before. They get a bounce from the new manager, but that's well and truly over now. And they've lost some lost some big football matches recently. They, they need a result. 
Um, so I think it will be a be a tight game for Liverpool, but I see them edging at two one. Ben, quickly. I think we're going to win three or four nil, and Kaiser's going to get it at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with 2 as well following a similar pattern to the game from the other year where Trent scored the free kick and that so uh, yeah another one we should go into with a, with a just fucking win Reds mentality and let's get this league one before coronavirus kills us all Sports Social Podcast Network